one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In this episode, Risha Ranavaya and Leila de Freitas talk about the respective twin pregnancies and birth. From the joy of finding out that there are two hearts beating on the sonographer's screen, to navigating a high-risk pregnancy and spending over 12 weeks in neonatal intensive care unit, this is a fascinating and incredibly moving panel talk about two women's very different twin pregnancies and birth. And whilst these women's journeys to twin motherhood stand in stark contrast to each other in many respects, and their respective worries and perspectives are reflective of that. On a fundamental level, they share the incredible experience of carrying, birthing and becoming a mother to twins. The panel today is made up of Risha Ranavaya, employment lawyer and mother to Arjun, three years old, and Rowan and Reese, 23 months old. And Leila de Freitas, employee engagement and transformation lead, mother to Lily and Amelia, two years old, and Ella May, one year old. You're listening to the podcast To Become a Mother, and my name is Caroline Johansson. Welcome, Risha. Welcome, Lila. Thank you. <laughs> so nice to have you here. You are both twin moms. Yeah. Risha, you have Arjun, who's three years. Rowan and Reese, we're 23 months. Yep. And Lila, you have Lily and Amelia, and they are two years. They are, yep. And then you have a little Ella May who turned one in May. She did, yeah. yeah. So three little ones. Great. The first thing I'd like to ask you is that when you found out that you were expecting twins, I can imagine that must have been quite overwhelming. <laughs> what was the feeling, Risha? So actually, this is really weird. When I found out I was pregnant, my husband said to me, I think we're having twins. And I looked at him and I was like, shut the front door. Like, <laughs> seriously, whatever. Don't be so silly. And then we went at eight weeks and we had a early reassurance scan. Mm. Oh my God. I just remember the sonographer saying, oh yeah, you know, there's, there's the heartbeat and there's the other one. And I literally <laughs> looked at my husband like, what the hell? Like I wasn't, I was, it was disbelief because he said it to me like three or four weeks beforehand, but also the fact that, oh my God, you were right. And how were you right? And how are we having twins? I was, I was excited. I was in disbelief, but I was also excited because I thought 
this is amazing. You know, it's quite special, I think, to be able to be pregnant with twins. But I would then say that after a few days, <laughs> the excitement turned to worry for me yeah. massively. Was there a reason for that? Other people's reactions? or what? I didn't tell anybody. No. So my parents knew that we were going for actually yeah they, they knew we were going for an early reassurance scan and when I came back I just said yeah yeah everything's fine I didn't even tell them I was pregnant with twins and then I'm a googler so I'm that person that literally has to google everything it's just the worst thing to do but no matter how many times I tell myself not to do it I always do it and I think at the time she told me she could see that they were in two separate sacks mm. um but it looked like there was perhaps one placenta. So she indicated to me at the early scan that she thought they were identical. So I googled identical pregnancy with identical twins. And literally, if you are pregnant with twins, do not do that. <laughs> it is just the worst thing ever because everything that just comes up is risk, 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 risk. And I felt so overwhelmed and so scared. And my excitement literally of being pregnant with twins dwindled into massive fear within a few days um and that that was the risk that something would happen during pregnancy yes yeah yeah because I think in the, in the first instance it was okay there's a high risk of miscarriage with twins okay great mm-hmm. well eight weeks then every week you kind of go by and you're thinking oh my gosh is something going to happen then obviously you've got with identical twins you have this thing called twin to twin transfusion syndrome which is where one twin takes more oxygen from the other twin if they're sharing a placenta because the placenta is providing them with everything that they need yeah so then that's a risk that can happen usually they start looking for that i think from about 16 weeks is that right later yeah, I think from so. about 16 weeks till about they monitor that until sort of all the way through i think um to make sure that one baby you know they're growing at similar rates and then the third thing is when you hit about 24 weeks is preterm labor. Yeah. So it's, it's not you know, where you want to hear it. Yeah. There's just, con- there's just sort of three things in my mind. I thought, right. Okay. I've got over this hurdle. Got to the 12 week scan. Everything looks okay. Great. Right. Now you're scanned from 12 weeks or 16 weeks. You're scanned every two weeks to make sure mainly that there's no twin to twin transfusion syndrome going on. So every appointment you have, you're so scared. You're so worried. You're just waiting for the consultant to say, okay, that's okay. The growth looks mm. okay. It's really frightening. Mm. And then you get to the next stage and you're thinking, am I going to go? You know, you're told at 24 weeks, make sure you have your hospital bag ready. Yeah. I mean, with my first, I'm sort of 36 weeks pregnant and sort of packing everything at the last minute. So to be told at 24 weeks, make sure your bag is ready. That's really frightening. Mm. Pregnancy can be an anxious time even when you're expecting just one baby. Yes. So with two and those additional risks, that must be worrying. Laila, how was your experience when you found out? What, what was going through your head? <laughs> so a bit similar to Risha, actually. We booked a early scan around a similar time at eight weeks. And I kept saying to my husband, like, it's twins. What are you going to do? We're no having way. twins. I can feel it. I just, and it's so weird that we don't have twins in the family. There's no history of twins. But I just had this feeling that we were having twins. I was a bit bigger than... I think suspected that you should be at eight weeks and I just had this little feeling that we were having twins so if we went to our early scan and they were scanning away and they're yeah one heartbeat all good baby's fine we finished the scan 
and I'm looking at my husband like hmm where's the other baby <laughs> and then um she was like oh hold on I just need to make sure there's there's not another heartbeat here so there it was there was another there was another baby there we got told we were having twins and we were both both actually just so excited couldn't believe it like yeah. what's the chances I think it's such a blessing to have twins yeah. not everybody is gift I think it's a gift it's yeah. a blessing not everyone has that that news so yeah amazing um rang my mum and I won't tell you what she said <laughs> can't repeat that on air but um we were over the moon and yeah you're right like when you with twins is such a like happy moment to be told that you're you you've received this blessing and then in the same breath that we were told we were having twins we got told just to be mindful of um I don't know if you've heard that this as well Risha is like a disappearing twin yes yeah so it can be common for the most uh, quite a lot of pregnancies to start off as a a multiple pregnancy yeah and within time I don't know how it starts but that baby can disappear so yeah I was on edge for the next four weeks leading up to um the 12 week scan hoping obviously not for a miscarriage not for that 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 second twin or that second baby to disappear went to our 12 week scan everything was good not really told about the the high risk um complications that come with a twin pregnancy and then we were moved obviously over to um, monthly scans which most twin pregnancies are and it was at our 16 week scan in the middle of a pandemic so i was in that scan alone I got asked to wait outside and no. I just knew that something was up. The guy, the sonographer who scammed me, he came out and he just kind of like walked straight past me and went into like another room where another sonographer was. And I was just sitting there and I was just watching everybody get their scan photos and, you know, happy moments, get your scan photo or just walking out with their scan photos and their report and going off um, about their day. So I was just sat there and I texted my husband, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Like no one's really spoke to me. I've just been asked to wait outside. And so he came out of that that room and he must have been speaking to maybe a more senior sonographer and he invited me back into the room and he just said, um, oh, one of your twins aren't growing. Um, they're much smaller than they should be. We're going to transfer you straight over immediately to UCLH, which is the University College of London Hospital, mm. where they'll monitor you now as, um, and you'll be escalated to a high-risk pregnancy. So minimal information. Mm. I got told that maybe one baby wasn't growing and that we'd be moved across to a different hospital. UCLH were really good. I think we were in within a matter of days and they scanned. And um, yeah, I was told to prepare for a late term. Well, not a late term because it was 16 weeks at that stage. And we were told to kind of prepare to lose that second twin and that the rate that twin was growing at is there was a very small chance of survival for that baby. We were spoken to about a number of um, things, twin to twin transfusion, growth restriction. And then with growth restriction as well, it's not always about the size of the baby, but it's how much. um, So with this type of twins, I was having identical twins. It was two different sacs, which is a safe pregnancy within twins, but it was one placenta. So the placenta wasn't, um, so the feeder twins. So what happens is, is that that twin receives all the nutrients and all the blood flow, all the oxygen but passes it straight through to the other twin and they get whatever's left. So if there's not enough Mm -hmm. being passed through, that twin is then left with whatever's left. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot. Um, So I'm going to call her Amelia (laughs) because she is now, has a name as a baby. (laughs) Um, She wasn't receiving everything that she should have been receiving. So we were placed on weekly scans and each week we were given kind of the... I say we, I was actually attending these scans alone just in the pandemic. My husband wasn't actually allowed in these scans. I was going off to these scans on a weekly basis on my own in London. That must have been so terrifying because you don't really know what news you're going into and you're on your own. Yeah, it was scary. 
I think I've going into those scans alone, I'm relaying information to family and to my husband, but I wouldn't relay everything mm. because it's hard to well always remember what's been said. And then I think as a woman, as the, the mother carrying the baby, what I was being told, I wouldn't say I felt ashamed, but I just felt like that's something as a mother you, you deal with sometimes. I think mm. as a mother, a lot of the times you deal with a lot of things on your own mm. or you take things on the weight of your shoulders. So I wasn't always relaying everything back to them. Not every journey, not every content, not every story is a complicated birth. So my message is to twin mums is like, enjoy your pregnancy until you're told otherwise. You can only go by what you're told. So just enjoy it because once it's pulled from underneath your feet, you miss out on so much, I think, Mm, living in fear. You're so right because I lived literally in fear throughout all of my twin pregnancy. Yeah. Was uh-huh. that also because what they told you yes. or because of what you Googled? So so it was twofold, actually. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I Googled. But I remember the first appointment I had, which was just after around the booking appointment, so probably about 13 weeks, was with a specialist twin midwife. And I literally, to this day, I can't get out of my head that she, the, one of the first things she said to me is she told me that a pregnancy with twins had a four times higher mortality rate oh. than a sick oh. pregnancy. You don't want to hear that, yeah. And I just thought oh my God, like this is my first twin pregnancy. And I understand, don't get me wrong, I understand that they have to inform twin mums and multiple mums of the risks. That you know, It's almost probably on their part, a bit of a checkbox exercise. Mm. So, okay, we must mention this, we must mention birthing, we must mention how to look out for TTTS, you know, all of these things. I get it. But I just think that the news to me was not perhaps delivered in the most sensitive way. So that, of course, when I thought, okay, well, I'm Googling and it's instilling fear in me, but Mm. that might be rational because Google, you know, it's anyone can put anything on Google. But I think with Google as well is when you even just like going to a restaurant, if you have something good to say, you probably won't go and write it off on Google. You You just have a bad experience. So true. So then when I had a midwife saying it to me, I thought, Oh my goodness. But actually the the really good thing that did come out of that appointment with the midwife is she told me to look at the Twins Trust, who I hadn't heard of before. And she has loads of information about um, TTTS on there and how to spot it and all of that. And I thought, okay. So, and in fact, I remember her telling me to sign up whilst I was on the phone with her because she was like, there's some really important resources I want to bring to your attention go to this website. It was all remote because obviously of the pandemic. So go onto this website, click on this link. And she directed me exactly to what I needed to see. And that was really actually quite helpful. And it's only after I read, I then spent a long time reading the information on the Twins Trust website because it's so, so helpful. Mm. It's actually real life experiences from other twin parents Mm. rather than scaremongering on Mm. Google. And although I still felt that apprehension because of course, all pregnancies come with a risk and perhaps multiple pregnancies come with a slightly higher risk. I knew that there were positive stories out there. And I joined a Facebook group, which was for multiple mums. And that was brilliant for me because it was a community of twin mums and triplet mums who had so many positive stories about, no, don't worry. So um, a term for identical twins is 36 weeks. Mm. So you always want to, if you're carrying identical twins, you want to try and get to 36 weeks. If you're carrying fraternal twins it's 37 weeks I think sometimes 38 weeks so I was in my mind I was like right please I just want to get to 36 weeks I just Mm. want to get to that and I saw so many positive stories from other women who had got to 36 weeks Mm. despite having some other complication throughout their pregnancy and I did I got to 36 weeks that's amazing and that's 
yeah, yeah, a good testament you know, to that it can that it can be positive. Yeah, and it you definitely know. is. But I was just thinking about when you you're informed of the risks that way. If there's not anything you can do about it, it's mm. just putting a lot on the mother, as you said, Lila. It's yeah, you're just standing with all of this this entire burden of things that's can a bit go harsh, wrong. What you were told, Risha. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I was delivered the mortality rate. That's quite awful. To be fair, don't think <laughs> that's not a stat. I think the stats they should be focusing on, or maybe. Yeah, maybe safe pregnancy weeks, things to look out for, exactly. red flags, maybe not delivering any official statistics, especially mortality. But um, yeah, focus on more of the things to support the mum in a twin pregnancy rather than delivering those harsh stats. Mm. I wasn't told that. In terms of um, carrying twins, obviously there's like double of everything. And I can imagine it's like double of hormones, double yeah. of growing mm-hmm. Um how did you experience that? Because you have a singleton pregnancy to compare to. Risha, how was it for you? I think for me, it was you're obviously heavier. <laughs> um, I actually, my eldest um, Arjun wasn't a big baby. He weighed five pounds five at 39 weeks. So obviously when I was pregnant with the twins, they also weren't very big when they were born. Reese was four pounds two mm. um, and that's a twin term. Mm. Um, and Roe was four pounds eight. So that's mm. still very small. Did you? Mm. And I was always quite conscious. I always used to be told when I was pregnant, oh, you can't have two in there. You're too small. Your bump's too small. And it used to really make me feel rubbish, to be honest. Mm. I think, well, because, you know, you're already apprehensive. You're already a bit worried. And you think, well, actually, is something wrong? Is Are they going to be small? Well, you know, mm. and I kept saying to my consultant at the time, you know, can you just make sure? Because, you know, with Arjun, they didn't really pick it up. And I sort of went to 39 weeks and still only five pounds five. And they didn't estimate that he was going to be that small. So yeah. what about the twins? You know, they and they were growing small, but they were growing at the same rate. So that's mm. why they weren't over, as concerned. Whereas in, obviously in Layla's situation, there was a bit of a disparity between mm. between them. But yeah, I mean, I, from behind, I didn't look pregnant. <laughs> I literally was all the way out in front. You know, it's sort of really funny. My phone just made like a collage of pictures the other day coming up to sort of, you know, 30, what I, what would have been coming up to sort of 34 weeks or 32 weeks. And I, my husband said, you literally look like you're about to topple over. <laughs> um, but you definitely do have double the hormones. I had really bad sickness in both of my pregnancies, probably actually worse in my single, singleton pregnancy. Uh, okay. But I don't know if it was worse because I hadn't experienced it before. So mm-hmm. maybe I found it easier to deal with the second time round. But the fatigue with twins was just something else. Mm-hmm. I felt so, the first 14 weeks, I felt really, really tired. I self-diagnosed as having gestational diabetes by seven weeks of my twin pregnancy because I had it in my singleton pregnancy and my fasting numbers were coming up high. So that's something I had to kind of keep on top of every day and Mm. finger prick and make sure that my sugars are okay because that can affect... People often think that with gestational diabetes, you have a big baby, Mm. but that's not always the case. It can produce small babies as well. So I was really conscious of that, having just had a very small baby in the form of Arjun. How were you feeling, Lila, when you were pregnant in your body physically? Yeah, so I was so sick within the first 12 weeks and that also what initially made me think I was having twins or some sort. I know you can get obviously sick with a singleton pregnancy, but it was insane. I remember pulling up to work and kind of like hiding in the car park thinking, how am I going to go into this? Like, how am I going into the office? No one knows I'm pregnant yet. And I was like munching, throwing um, ginger biscuits down my face. <laughs> they don't work, by the way. No, they don't work. They don't they work don't at work. all. They give you heartburn. Um, 
yeah and then I remember another time I was standing in we used to do stand-off I worked in a PR office and we do like all the media headlines of the day very fun stuff and um I was like oh I'm gonna go and I've got a meeting I need to get sick and I don't know why but he just turned around and was like I'm sure you can wait 10 minutes <gasps> and I was like, oh my god how am I getting out of this like should I get sick now or should I wait and then when I announced that I was pregnant and like to my smaller team, they were like, on that day, did you need to get it? And I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> None of you bailed me out either. So um, yeah, I was really sick. It kind of, it eased off around um, maybe like 13 weeks, 14 weeks. And then physically, I just used to get like these really bad shooting pains in the side of my legs. So I don't know, my babies, were, um, they were, I was I carried quite low in both pregnancies. I had it both times. So I don't know if they were pushing on something, on some sort of nerve. Oh, yeah. That was the worst pain. It used to come at night as well when I was trying to sleep. So that was the worst. Obviously my babies were growth restricted. So I was carrying really small. So I physically gained weight actually, which was, so I went from like a size eight, size 10 up to a size 16, eight. Oh, was I 18? Yeah, maybe 16, 18 which is insane for me. Mm. I used to go to the gym. Obviously, I got told I couldn't exercise with the type of pregnancy that I had. And I didn't realize I was gaining weight. And mm. I didn't realize that I was maybe trying to compensate for the lack of their growth by eating more. Yeah. And I wish someone kind of noticed that and said, yeah. <laughs> I remember the consultant saying to me, like, Layla, you could literally eat a horse, a cow and a goat. And it's not mm. going to affect the baby. Like what's happening is completely different for the amount. It's just not going to, it's not going to weigh anything out. You don't want to hear that. Like, you're, what's what's my ownership as a mum? Then mm. they're not growing. What I was just thinking, what can I do? So yeah, I actually gained a lot of weight. People said they didn't really notice. I was just like, how can you not notice? But I stayed away. But yeah, I gained quite a lot of weight, which didn't really bother me in the pregnancy. I didn't really realise actually. It was obviously after when you're going through postpartum and we all kind of go through that journey of trying to yeah. wanting your body back and can be quite a shock it is a shock um, yeah when you see yourself looking so different afterwards so different <laughs> i think and stretch so much yeah. as well in a twin in my singleton pregnancy. pregnancy i you know i didn't carry massive but i kind of didn't really have any stretch marks went back but now i, I stretch so much in my twin pregnancy because yeah. i went all out in front I've, you know, well and truly have my mum pouch now, yeah. which I wear with honour. Yeah. But, you know, you you do feel conscious of it because mm. even if you do try and start going back to your fitness regime, yeah. whatever it is, it's, 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 really, be it's there, a really hard mm. place to lose weight. But it's such an easy place to gain weight again yeah. so mm. quickly. Um, <laughs> I guess it's already it. stretched. Yeah. 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 Um, and in terms of birth, how did you... I guess it was very different for the both of you, given mm. that you had a high-risk pregnancy, Lila. But yeah. um, Risha, how did you prepare? And what did you, did you have a choice in terms of having a C-section or a vaginal birth? I was really adamant that I wanted a natural vaginal birth. Mm. I, I had it with Arjun. I was really lucky, I guess. Mm. I, I had a, you know, a swimming, swimmingly easy labor, as, as far as you could, as labor can be described mm. as easy, I guess. But I did hypnobirthing with Arjun. And it was invaluable to me. I learned some really good techniques and I managed to get through his birth without pain relief and just kind of focusing on the hypnobirthing techniques. I think at some point in the in the labor, obviously, I kind of forgot some of the techniques because it kind of consumes you, the labor. Mm -hmm. um, but with the second, second time around, I thought, right, well, my body's done this before. Let's see if it can do it again. Mm. So my whole birth, at one point, Reese, who was twin two, was breech for pretty much the whole pregnancy he was breech only at 
probably about 34 weeks, he turned to being head down. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, because I kept saying, oh, Sergeant, I really don't want a C-section. And my biggest concern actually about the C-section was Arjun. Mm. I have two-year-old at home. I can't have major surgery. I need to be his mm. mummy. I mm. can't be out of action. Mm. And as a, you know, he's a mummy's boy through and through. I can't be out of action. I need to be able to pick him up. I need to be able to take him upstairs to bed, give him a bath, do all of those things. That was my priority. Not necessarily me and my body and, and it healing or any of that. It was him. <laughs> so I was so reluctant to have a C-section. And I remember I went in for a sweep at 35 and 5 or something before I went in. So they were going to induce me at 36 weeks. And they said, they said, oh, yeah, we can feel the twin's head, twin one's head, fine. Yeah. You know, I thought, great, you know. And I could feel I started having, the sweep must have helped because I started having really light contractions. Mm. So I was like, great, going in to be induced, they're going to give me this pessary. Anyway, they put the doppel on my, you know, to monitor the baby's heartbeat. And they couldn't find Rose heartbeat in the place where it usually is. So see, I started panicking and I was like, no, no, no. It's always there. He was, he's been head down. Mm. It's always there. Can you please get the mini scan machine and just check what's going on to make, you know, which they sometimes do with twins because they can't guess always where the heartbeats, how the hearts are. And they realized once I had already had a pessary, so it had a pessary to get contractions going even faster, that Rose somehow had been, had gone from being engaged and head down to turning and flipping to transverse. No. So he was blocking the exit. No. Reese, on the other hand, was head down, but he was twin two, so he's higher up, so he couldn't get out unless Roe got out of the way. So they said to me, we're really sorry. My consultant, Ms. Leonce, was there and she's she was amazing. She said, I know all the way through, you told me you do not want a C-section, but you don't have an option now uh. because Rohan has made that decision for you, <laughs> I'm afraid. She said, look, it's not an emergency in the sense of I need to take you to theatre right now, but it is a semi-emergency in the sense of you're already having contractions and we don't want that labour to progress. Mm. And also the fact you've now reached term, so Mm. we need to get this scheduled for today. And um, I just thought it was boiling outside and my husband, bless him, he was sat in the car park and I could see from the room that I was in, I could see the car. So we were kind of like communicating through a window. <laughs> and at about eight o'clock that night, when it sort of got a bit quiet and I had my own room, they let him come in and sit with me. And then I was taken to theatre at about quarter to one in the morning, like the next morning. Mm. And because they told me at two o'clock that I needed a section, I wasn't allowed to have any water, any mm. food. So I was absolutely starving and like and obviously i had gestational diabetes yeah. so you have to eat usually fats and protein yeah. quite regularly to regulate your blood sugars so at about 11 o'clock i felt really faint and really dizzy and they took my blood sugars and they were really low so they had to give me a glucose drink just yeah. to try and bring my sugars up because obviously that can affect the baby and then i was taken into theater yeah about quarter to one in the morning like 12.57 and 12.58, they were born. Wow. Yeah, and Reese was born in his sack. No. So everyone came running around <laughs> to see him and they lifted him up so I could see it. Yeah. And it was just the most incredible and emotional yeah. thing. I mean, I had no tears because <laughs> I was just in a state of fear and like, is everything yeah. going to be okay? Because, you know, even though they're born at 36 weeks, there's still a, a risk yeah. that they could be whisked off to NICU or Skaboo or you know mm. so I just wasn't holding any you know and they they say to you I said I really want to have skin to skin straight away 
uh, please can you lower the curtain and they said we can only do that if everything's okay and I just remember thinking oh my god please everything be okay you know for both of them and they rush them off and they check them and they do their checks and um and then they just brought and brought them over to me and I mm. just yeah I was just besotted how was it having that choice taken away from you was it a relief that in terms of the c-section that he actually made it for you I think so. I think yeah. so. I think I was so adamant I didn't want a C-section. Mm. But at that point, I think I was so ready. For, uh, mentally, I prepared that they would be here in the next few days, you know, because an induction can take a few days. I was like, right, they will be here. Whatever happens, whether it's a NICU journey, a SCABU journey, or whether they're coming home with me, the babies will be here. Mm. And I think at that point, when they told me, I was just like, okay, I don't care anymore. Mm. Just get, like, I just want my bait. I just want mm. you to get them out. I just want them here safely. That was the main thing. I just mm. want them to be delivered safely, whether that's a natural birth or it's a cesarean, doesn't matter. Like I'll, we'll deal with the, with the aftermath of it all fine. Mm. You know, we've got lots of support and all of that, but I just wanted them here. And I yeah. think, yeah, in some respect, it may tip the decision out of my hands and mm. I didn't have a choice. So what could I do? Got to go with it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Yeah. Lila, how was it uh, for you in terms of preparing for the birth? Did you have any choice? Yeah, no, so no choice. I was told very early that it would be a, a C-section and the aim was to get to 32 weeks and then we'd plan a C-section at 32 weeks and we did. And the 32-week C-section was planned. How was that to get to 32 weeks after having gone through so many weeks being worried that you yeah. wouldn't get there? My body just kind of relaxed a little bit. And again, it was just a bit like 
if I could tell myself now in that moment to relax, I wouldn't have relaxed because what was to come was like a whole different whirlwind and storm within itself. But I definitely just felt myself ease a little bit. Like we've reached that. I was always told just get to 20, between 28 to 32 weeks is the safe, a safe space mm-hmm. within the prematurity world. Yeah. Like, isn't yeah. that crazy where mm. you're talking 36 and I'm like, just hoping I get to 28 weeks and then to 32 and we did get to 32. So what happens sometimes is after the 32 week, 32 weeks, obviously your baby's getting bigger. The demand for more nutrients, more blood flow, more oxygen, the demand is much higher. So after that time, it can be almost, well, not almost high risk anymore, but a risk directly to the baby because your body's then under more pressure to deliver those nutrients mm. and whatever thing that they need as a baby. So they decide to do a delivery and they say baby will be safer on the outside, which obviously as a mum is hard to swallow to hear that your baby will be safer without, outside of your body. Mm. And the reason for that being is because they can then make sure the babies are getting enough nutrients, obviously whether it's NG tube fed or however babies will be fed once delivered preterm. So yeah, I was obviously very happy to get to 32 weeks as I, t- I didn't think we were going to make it past 23 weeks given the news that we were given all the way mm. through so to get to 32 weeks I was of course very happy plan the c-section and when your babies are coming early if they can plan for a preterm birth you will be given a steroid to strengthen the baby's lungs mm. so I remember on the Thursday we they did it on the same day so after the scan I waited and I was given the first steroid dosed and they just put it through your bum and then it within, kills doesn't it yeah, yeah i had it too <laughs> i did have it and then within 24 hours you have to take the second dose so on the first day like the babies were so active super active they were almost having a party so i didn't know if it was just like a bit of a side effect from the steroid it kind of mm. pumped them up and then on the friday when i woke up i just said all oh, the babies are really quiet today not much is going on and we were heading into hospital anyway not for a scan but to have the second dose and i just said it to them and they just said oh sometimes after a steroid babies can just go a bit like have a bit of a quieter day just keep an eye on it and I remember being the kind I said to my husband like something's up I know Mm. the rhythm of my babies I know their patterns it's very different to what it normally is and of course everyone just kind of told me like just just hold fire relax don't think too much about it and I don't know why but I was just I went with what everybody said and I just remember laying in bed that night I think I woke up about one o'clock in the morning and I was like something's wrong like this isn't so I woke my husband I said listen something's wrong like I'm going to call and he said call the hospital so I called our local hospital and they said unfortunately you can't come into here but do go in call UCLH and you need to go into there so we drove all the way into London which is about a 50 minute drive from where we are in Hertfordshire again Scott my husband he wasn't allowed in because of the pandemic so it was overnight so obviously night staff is very different to the day staff so they hooked me onto the monitors and the heartbeats were fine but they could see that babies there wasn't much movement when they were scanning and they kind of take the mum's word Mm. given the the type of pregnancy that I was they were listening to what kind of what you're saying which is great so I've been up all night at this point when they spoke to me he said um yeah like, get her to fit her now so I wasn't expecting it but they all come charging into my room I'm in the middle of London my husband had gone home at this point I went out to him around two o'clock or oh, about three o'clock in the morning I just said they're going to keep me in overnight do not go to sleep like <laughs> go home do not go to sleep and if you do keep your phone on loud of course he fell asleep couldn't get hold of him I was like texting my neighbor and obviously we're trying to keep things private at this stage as well I didn't want everyone to know that I was uh-huh. being like rushed into theater but I was like can you go wake Scott up please I'll explain later and um, my sister was making her way down as well to like wake him up but he woke up it was really I just remember like laying on the bed I remember what I was doing probably something really boring looking at my phone or something and they all rushed in and I was like having like epidural put in my back 
cannula fit into my hand and it was kind of all guns blazing like we're going to take you in now there's beds within so when you obviously it's not always the case because preterm can just happen but they check if there's cots available in the NICU which is neonatal intensive care unit where babies go if they're born early or unwell and luckily there was cots available on the day but if there isn't they can transfer you over to another hospital so yeah it was all available we were going and I was saying oh can you just wait please like I really want my husband to be with me mm. Given that my baby isn't moving or the, the movement of my babies are like drastically dropping, I want him to be with me. Like, I don't know what we're, Basically. what's going to happen in this theatre. And they were like, we can't wait. Um, like, given everything, like, just given the circumstance right now, we're going to have to take you in right now. Um, George was the consultant. He said, George wants to go in right now. So I was like, hey. So I was calling Scott and we planned. So the planned delivery was on a weekday. So it was in Houston. Obviously, there's no parking. It's congestion zone. So we booked parking for that Wednesday so I was like it's fine just just drive in and park in the car park I'm sure they'll let you in just explain what's going on and it's shut on a weekend so I was like how are you going to get here if you got on the train there's just no way luckily I have a very close family friend who is a midwife within the hospital she wasn't working but her mum lives next to my mum she dropped the kids there she met my husband at my mum's and they took the one car and she got staff access into the car park she knew the staff on shift that day she like got his scrubs ready everything was ready and they laid me down (laughs) <laughs> and he walked through the door oh. and I was like fine up until that moment I can feel myself feeling a bit weird now but as soon as he walked in like that tears mm. just like flooded mm. from my eyes I just saw someone that I knew that was my comfort and obviously yeah I was really scared so they did the c-section Amelia who was the smaller tune was supposed to be delivered first if you call it a delivery within a c-section but was meant to be taken out first but Lily somehow kicked her way forward apparently and she was a, the, the the bigger twin, but she actually need intubating, which is when they place like a tube down the back of your throat to resuscitate the baby. So they took her off. I didn't see her face. I didn't hear her cry. I was just told that twin two's here. That's what they said. Twin two's here, who became twin one because she was born first. And then I was waiting for Amelia, who I was most worried about as a smaller twin, even though I was worried about both. Again, same thing, delivered, didn't see her. They took them straight off into the stabilization room. And then that was it. Like I was just in this room. Also, I couldn't, you, I don't, you know what a C-section feels like. I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't move. My newborn babies had been taken off into a room and the door was slammed closed, obviously, because... I guess there's any privacy and they don't want you to see what's going on but you're just left there as a new mum and I was just looking at the ceiling like is this everything everything mm-hmm. I ever imagined my pregnancy to be it boiled down to that moment I hadn't heard their cry and I hadn't seen them and I just kind of felt redundant in that moment as a mum mm-hmm. so uh, we weren't given no updates obviously I'm not going to come out and give you updates by the minute they were doing their job and I'm so grateful that they were but they stabilised them I think it took a few hours to stabilise and they got them off to the NICU was Scott with you all the time? Scott was with me, yeah. So he stayed with me. And men are so funny, aren't they? <laughs> like, love him to bits. But he was just so happy. He was so happy. And I was really happy as well. But maybe he wasn't there for the lead up, or I don't know, it's not his body. They experienced, they definitely experienced it a bit mm, different. Differently. Mm. But with that said, they carry a lot on their shoulders. He was then torn between, like, do I stay with my wife, who is now needs to be stitched back up and is definitely probably feeling this in the moment? Or do I go investigate the babies? But he stayed with me. We weren't allowed to see the babies anyway while they're being stabilised and being settled into the neonatal units. So we went into recovery and waited. And then I think it took a few hours but we were told that the babies were were stable, which is the news obviously we were waiting for and very lucky to get that that news. And then I think they... 
I still couldn't walk at that stage. They took me in my bed. <laughs> they rolled me into the, the NICU and the twins were in separately. Lily and Amelia were in separate rooms. Amelia was in the highest intensity unit and Lily was in the one just, just a step down. But being taken in as well, like the first moment you ever dream of meeting your baby, like Risha said, like, give me that skin to skin. I want to see my baby. Please put my baby mm-hmm. on me. I was laying down in a hospital bed. They were up here in uh, like elevated in an incubator. I still didn't see them. Mm-hmm. I just saw wires and plasters and cannulas and all this other stuff which I obviously never imagined to see so yeah it's very different if you're um if you experience the NICU or a preterm birth it is wells apart from what you ever imagined Mm. and then with that of course I had already told my obviously my family were very aware that we were going in for this emergency c-section but I remember just turning on my phone at some point. I think after we visited the NICU, I wanted to turn on my phone and just let my mum know and the family know and Scott's parents as well, my mother-in-law and father-in-law that the babies are stable. And I just had this swarm of text messages. My mum had, she might as well have gone to the Daily Mail at this point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, not everybody knew, but like a good, a good number of people knew. Like she let my friendship um, groups know and my sister was at home with her friends they were heading off to Ibiza on that day so they were all together so everyone just kind of knew what was going on but I had just a a swamp and an influx of congratulation messages which I really appreciate and you want to hear that when you have a baby but it was just wells apart from what I was going on I was nowhere Mm. near the babies and obviously you're getting text messages like give Bubba a squeeze for me give them a big kiss give them a big cuddle can't wait to see them and I was just a bit I, 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 I don't I don't know like obviously I, don't, I would have known what to say I would not, if my friend went through NICU before me I wouldn't have known what she was going through I wouldn't have understand the type of birth that she would have had but it was just like this immense pressure of all the all the stuff and all the new baby stuff and it was just as I said wells apart from that like your reality is so different. Risha you had a very different aftermath after your birth of the twins but nonetheless you know it must have been very intense with two babies and then a little one at home how do you remember the first few days when you got home with the twins? All a blur, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a whirlwind, to be honest. Yeah. A massive whirlwind. I remember walking through the door and my husband brought both of the twins, carry cots in. And Arjun, my little boy, came running up to me because he hadn't seen me for a couple of... Well, I was kept in hospital for three days, so he hadn't seen me for four days, which is the longest he had been apart from me. And the babies were just screaming they were crying so much the twins hadn't given them dummies or anything at this point and it set Arjun off and he basically didn't want to go anywhere near them and I just thought it broke my heart actually because Mm. you almost think that sorry I'm getting a bit emotional Mm. um, because you almost think that when you bring your new babies home you want your children to bond and I'd seen friends I had a few friends we were pregnant around the same time and I'd seen you know, them sending videos of their their children meeting their newborn for the first time and being such a lovely, a lovely experience. But mine was the opposite to that. Mm. He just cried and didn't want to go anywhere near them because, you know, he just turned two. So for him, like his world had turned upside down. Mm. But I think more so it was just the fact it was a noise. Mm. It's two babies crying and screaming in unison. So he was just, and that, made me feel really upset because Mm. as newborns they need so much attention Mm. they're either feeding most of the time or sleeping but even when they're sleeping it's quite difficult to get a newborn to sleep in a cot on their own yeah 
and sinking them. Yeah, they just want to sleep on you. So, you know, I've got one baby. And in the end, what I found absolutely invaluable, I couldn't do it early on because obviously I'd had a C-section, was a sling. Hmm. A cloth sling ended up being my absolute best friend. Um, And, you know, and then we found our rhythm. And my husband was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, As I say, you know, the pandemic was a really hard time for a lot of people. For us, it ended up working out as a bit of a blessing in disguise because it meant that my husband, who usually works 12-hour days, was at home. You know, he was there to to be a support for me, but also uh, for Arjun and also to be an extra pair of hands to help with the twins. Mm. Um, But my mum, like, she came every day without fail, half past eight in the morning, and she would stay until at least eight o'clock at night. She'd make sure she's cooked me dinner. Mm. She was looking after me. Mm. I had my babies to look after But in that moment, I became her baby again. And Mm. she was cooking for me. She was looking after me. And that's what I feel you really need when you become a mom. You massively need it. Yeah, because it's hard to just have a child. Mm. But you go through so much transition yourself. Like, it's so overwhelming. And having someone who takes care of you, it's... And your hormones are all over the place. Yeah. Especially when, you know, your milk starts coming in. I had a really hard breastfeeding journey with Arjun. Mm. I put a lot of pressure on myself and it wasn't good. And so my mindset from my pregnancy with the twins was very different. It was like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it's fine. Mm. It's okay. And I was really lucky that there was an amazing midwife at my hospital who spent time with me as soon as I delivered the twins and latched them on. And they just got it. The twin, you know, some of my babies just get it. They latched yeah. on and they were breastfeeding straight away from 36 weeks. Wow, um, so young too. I'm so being, young. Yeah. And But the problem is, is that my milk supply has always, um, I've never produced enough milk. Mm. So I've had to kind of express to try and almost trick my body into saying that it needed to produce more milk. So I was breastfeeding them and they say the best way to do that is to keep putting baby to the breast, keep putting baby to the breast. I got lactation consultants involved, you name it. But ultimately it came to a point where I was like, actually, I'm not putting any pressure on myself. I breastfed them. I expressed, so I gave them milk for a bottle but then I, but then I combi fed them and I formula fed them. And for me, it was the best decision I made because it meant I had a break. My husband could feed one twin and I would breastfeed the other one. And then would the next feed would swap. And it meant that he was involved. Mm. I had a break, but they were also getting some breast milk, which for me, I think I, the reason I wanted to breastfeed more with the twins was because we were in a pandemic. And obviously every, at that point, we had nobody had had any vaccinations. Mm. There was all this thing about antibodies and babies receiving antibodies from breast milk. So I was really aware of that fact, and I was like, right, well, if I can give them what I can, yeah, then nice. that's great. And you know, we managed it for sort of about eight months, mm. um, and I was really proud of that. Mm. And you should be, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and it was because it was so different to my first journey. Mm. My first journey, I was I expressed almost exclusively for six months. And I was having to wake up every two hours in the middle of the night. And I was miserable. Like mm. It was it was not fun. Mm. Um, it took a lot of the joy out of it. And I actually felt relaxed when I stopped doing that. And I just put Arjun on a bottle of formula. Yeah. And I felt I felt I felt so much happier. Yeah. And expressing like that, it's it's just not at all the same. Yeah, you miss all the the nice things. Yeah. The, the closeness. The closeness, the yeah. intimacy. Yeah. We're coming up to the end, but just to end the podcast episode which has been so interesting by the way i'd just love to hear lila when i started to see the the light i think there was a turning point and things were turning out well 
So they had two different journeys. So I'll, I'll speak about Lily's journey first. So Lily was about eight weeks in neonatal care. And she probably could have came home early. But when I was told that Lily's ready to come home, that's when I... There wasn't many times that I broke down in front of staff or broke down in front of people or broke down in general. But to hear like one twin's ready to go home without the other twin, I was like, I said something stupid. I was like, no, I have a double buggy. <laughs> I can't use a double buggy without with just one baby, which is obviously a silly thing to say. But again, it's like the expectation of having twins and dressing them the same and going home at the same time and then doing all I wanted everyone to meet them as two and who as they were. Like Amelia was here, so that was a hard moment um Amelia had a PDA which is a an open I don't know if it's a chamber or they call it a hole that's what most people refer to it as a hole in her heart mm. which most babies are born even if you're turned with a PDA and it closes so it's the hole that's used to when baby is in your tummy to pass through the oxygen and the buffalo to the baby unfortunately Amelia's didn't close on its own and it was causing a threat to life she was never able to manage with it she was never able to grow with it and mm. um, quite often it can be normal for babies within or a common thing for preterm babies to be born with a PDA, but within time they grow out of it and it closes on its own. Unfortunately with Amelia, it didn't. So we had to go to, we were transferred to Great Ormond Street to have it closed. So obviously leaving a full term, um, sorry, a tiny baby. I think she weighed maybe just under two pounds at this or just over two pounds at this point. She was at about 10 weeks, 10 weeks old, which is two weeks corrected if she was mm. a term baby so off we went and they let me come down to theater with her and they laid her on an adult size hospital bed so just picture how small she would have been on this bed and they said mommy you're gonna have to leave in a second but you can help her to sleep and I was like wow like I'm on my own here as well like that's big stuff so we removed her they had that these NICU dummies and we removed the dummy from her mouth and they put this I watched them place this mask over her her face and she went to sleep and that was like the hardest moment, probably of my life, actually, because I was, my baby's been put to sleep. We were given all the, the complications and the risks and the outcomes of this surgery as well. Luckily, it wasn't open, open heart surgery. They just threaded, a, no, I say just, they threaded a device through her leg, followed it on an ultrasound and we're good up to her heart. And where they placed the, the device, it caused the blood clot, it caused the blood to clot. So that closed the, the hole yeah. and then they threaded the, the thread the wire back out and that device will remain in her heart forever now and just as she gets bigger it'll become so tiny it won't even it wouldn't hopefully touch wood it will never ever ever become a complication for her and she'll be able to manage life as she is now which is a healthy baby so leaving her in that state putting my baby to sleep and not knowing what was going to happen within that time I think I paced up and down Great Portland Street for about four hours waiting for the phone call to say like the outcome of the surgery and I went down and collected her after being told it had been a success. And it was like a whole new baby. She'd gone to being fragile, not really moving, not really responsive. She didn't really do much. Like we had, obviously we had twins, so we had a baby to compare to. We had Lily who was giggling mm. and smiling and interacting. And Amelia, bless her, she was almost, almost lifeless. Like mm. she just wasn't coping at all and wasn't managing, like struggling to breathe. Her, her chest would pull all the way in and her stomach would as well, just because of the rate that she was working at. And I just remember seeing her and it was just, I remember the room to be so bright and light and it probably wasn't, but it was in that moment. And yeah, just a whole new baby. Her chest was completely at ease. She just seemed a bit different. She just seemed much calmer as well. So we went back to the ward and I just felt like for the first time, like I was holding my baby. Mm. I wasn't waiting for news to go left or right. 
with the lead up to that point of surgery, they were trying to get her to a stable condition for Great Ormond Street to actually accept the referral. And they weren't at first because it was too risky to, to, to do the procedure on her. So just constantly having like months and months of... We'd walk in and it'd be like, oh, Amelia needs a blood transfusion. Her blood's are low. Amelia's got an infection. There was once they evacuated the whole room and we were all made to wait outside and like put boards up around her incubator so they could like urgently like attend to Amelia because they found this infection. And yeah, we all had to clear the room. So like going from that to then holding my baby and just being like at ease and knowing that it just felt like we were at the end of our journey and that with yeah, there was there was a light and we were gonna go home mm. and within yeah I think within about two weeks I think we went home the next day to I say home we went back to our um local hospital and then yeah within about two weeks we actually went home she just needed to learn to suck and she just had the chance of life that every baby should have mm. and always say thank you to the NHS for giving us that opportunity because without them and without their care all the way through if this was a different time I don't know if I'd be telling the same story so mm. yeah the light was definitely then and yeah we went home twins absolute madness yeah <laughs> all the blur I probably have more PTSD from the, 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 the nights <laughs> than I do from anything else like it is crazy like it's but what Risha said like once you find your rhythm like you really do fly I do get a lot of messages on Instagram like how do you do it how do you when like when does it change at what point does it change and it's just like you as a mum you get comfortable as well I think you're navigating this whole new space or well, it's probably a bit different too it's your second time but with oh, no, twins it was it's a different, different space different, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. even going on to have Ella like you just forget even though I had her 10 months later you do forget like, what to do like you've started navigating a different part of motherhood it does click it really does click and all the things that you judge yourself on as a mum whether it's your breastfeeding journey how you're feeding your baby like fed mm-hmm. is best and then you're looking at your body like it doesn't matter you grew and you birthed a child and you just find ways to love this body that you have like but your body does somehow go back to this norm even though the norm is different you start to accept that maybe before babies if I had this pouch of a belly I would have been like, oh my god I need to go to gym I need to go to gym but now I'm like I don't care yeah. and if anyone wants to ever say anything not that he would but like this means something to me yeah exactly it's this sto- is, tells yeah, a story doesn't tells it tells a story and it's reflective of what I have and what we've been through and everything else to come with it so yeah having a c-section while left with a pouch and just go rock that ladies <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank you both so much for sharing your stories it's been thank you. really moving apart really funnier parts too um <laughs> and yeah you are two inspirations really acing it so thank oh, you thank you. Oh, thank, thank you so much thank you for having us yeah, yeah it's been great sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.